What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Hapticast, episode number 94. My name is Josh Toll, and I am joined by my good friend, Brett Roberts, as always. And Brett, today, we have a very special guest on the show. We've been talking about it for a couple weeks, but I want everybody to give a nice, big digital round of applause to Josh Rubin. Uh, Welcome, Josh Rubin, to Hapticast. Thank you for having me. Holy mackerel. I feel like I should have... uh busted out my old fallout and played uh played that so that's like the last video game i played we're gonna we're gonna have a real good time nerding out that's not true but close enough <laughs> no that's awesome well that it's is a good. that's a good series to play uh so just to give everybody a quick rundown uh, it's gonna be a little bit of a different show this week obviously we're gonna be talking about what we're watching and playing and doing obviously like we normally do but then most of the the day today we're just gonna be talking about um you know some upcoming projects from josh rubin about josh rubin himself and his career and um why we love horror and everything like that there is going to be a little video game talk in there though we promise um we do promise because some of josh's projects do relate to video games um but That's right. So how we're going to start is just to give Josh an example. I mean, everybody else knows I'm going to go through my media consumption update. Then I'm going to turn it over to Mr. Josh Rubin. And then Brett's going to round it out as we kind of hop into the show. So what I'm playing and doing and watching, uh, spoiler alert, is a lot of things related to our guest today. Uh, We've been familiar with uh, your work for a little while, Josh, but we obviously wanted to do our homework and get caught up on some new projects that you have coming out, um, mainly being Blood Relatives and Wounded Fawn, which we'll talk about today, obviously. Yes. Um, So real quick, let me get out of the way. Uh, TV and anime, still watching Chainsaw Man. Uh, which I don't know if uh, you're an anime fan or not, Josh. But Ooh, with... I've actually seen screenshots from that. And I'm like, I have to watch that. He has a the chainsaw for a head and for like each of his arms, right? That's right. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So that's a lot of fun. Uh, getting back into watching Battlestar Galactica, um, which is just always uh, an excellent watch. Um, games, I don't have much else to input this week other than I'm watching mid- or watching playing Midnight Suns still and Slay the Spire again. And then movies. Nice. Are you ready? I'm going to quickly rattle these <laughs> off. Uh, Tond, uh, which is a short film. Uh, Pear, which is another short film. Uh, Scare Me, which is uh, not a short film. It is an awesome, awesome movie, which we'll talk about. Blood Relatives, A Wounded Fawn, and then the uh, famous, and I can't believe I never saw it before, Dark Man, which blew me away. <laughs> so, that's right. Yes, there was a game too, I believe, for Nintendo or Super Nintendo. No shit, really? Yeah, it was probably as challenging as the original Batman '89, which I remember right. I couldn't get, you know, four feet into, like Contra. Um, but uh, yeah, um, man, I'd I'd be very curious. Maybe I could like find that on my Switch or something. I wonder if you have, like there's some depths you can find. Wow. It. It is so. It is a 1991 video game, pub, a Nintendo game, published by Ocean Software, and it actually has really, really good reviews. No can, shit. Yeah, Whoa. Yeah, I and I see some cool. original copies on eBay, um, and they're pretty cheap. Only like 30, 40 bucks. So what's it for the original Nintendo? Uh, yeah, the original NES looks like. Yep. Nice. Wow. So, well, cool. Josh is already teaching us something that we didn't know. There you go. Yeah. So that 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 is uh, that is an honor coming on here and having having you guys go. Wait a minute, really? And I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, you know a thing or two. So, cool. Josh, then what are you? Um, oh, and for audio listeners, this is really going to probably throw a lot of people off, but that's okay with having two Joshes on the show. But uh, yeah. Josh Rubin, what are you yes, playing, sir. 
watching, doing TV, anime, games, movies, what do you got going on? Anything <clears throat> that's interesting and exciting to you that you've been uh, consuming lately? Well, what I played most recently uh, was Cuphead and Friday the 13th. Okay. On okay. Switch, and I think Rico is the name of the shooter. A really, really tough one. Um, uh, but I was such a like Virtua Cop, like Sega Saturn boy. I maybe played and played that way too many times. That was like what I was used to be obsessed with. Then graduated to uh, with Xbox. Uh, oh gosh, was it like? Uh, oh yeah, that was the when I got crazy into Fallout, and then my my wife got me a Switch. I want to say Christmas of last year if not the year previous and that was when i was like oh not only can you play the old stuff you can revisit like f-zero but you can all there's also this killer stuff you can kind of enjoy it's it's tough to get back into it when you haven't been like i don't know cognitively your you, your skill level uh mm. is not has not been sharpened along the way i took a long break from games after playing uh quite a bit so uh cuphead friday the 13th um uh gosh watching we've been watching white lotus <laughs> very very different than uh very very different than friday the 13th and cuphead um and what was what was the third the third thing oh just if you had any like an uh anime too but that's you know yeah, anime oh, movies well, we want to watch we've been dying to watch i think it's called perfect blue oh, oh satoshi that's yeah. a phenomenal film yeah okay well, yeah and then then that one has to remain at the top of the list we, we haven't been able to uh to get to that one just yet but i'm dying too i've just been hearing really good things we got to see that in a theater in philly uh, a couple of years ago at this point and what a awesome experience that was to see it Whoa. in the movie yeah it was great super cool and i imagine for you you know i imagine you travel a lot for your filming and whatnot and the switch is probably like the best console ever for you right now dude i i it, it would be except like you know covid was our big kind of my my big industry break you know so i was i right. edited werewolves within kind of being down for the year played a bit um during the you know the 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 heft of the pandemic and then when i've been traveling i'll forget that i have this travel companion here like the few times that i do fly a year because i haven't i haven't um I haven't uh, gone into pre-production on another movie yet, but when I do, I I feel like you know typically how I like to spend my travel time is just rereading the script and going all over that stuff and not taking my mind off of the movie. I just like to reread right. and reread and prep, prep, prep. But um, uh, I yeah, I wish I had a like just vocational flight, just like a straight vacation travel coming up so that i can just be like oh yeah you don't just have to like you know find delta's movies or whatever or listen to some obscure <laughs> radio station yes it would be when i remember it so i'm gonna try and charge it remember for the next time i'm out very cool all right i'm gonna hop in then i'm gonna i'm gonna talk about what i'm watching playing and, and consuming so uh chainsaw man as josh toll said uh <laughs> i've been loving it i'm on episode seven now and it's fantastic. As as Josh Rubin said, I mean, the main character has a giant chainsaw for a head, two chainsaws for arms. It doesn't get any more metal than that. It's it's just super badass. Um, so super fun with that. And then I've also been playing some games. So Marvel's Midnight Suns, another one that Josh mentioned. I'm mm. playing a little bit of Pokemon Scarlet on the Nintendo Switch. Uh, and then I've been playing Rayman Legends, which is a game by your friends over at Ubisoft, Mr. Rubin. Uh, very, very... Uh, 
challenging game. I've, I've been playing that one for a long time, trying to get this uh, platinum trophy in that. So that's been fun. And then top it all off, some movies. So again, man, a Ruben-filled movie list here. I rewatched Werewolves Within. Uh, I watched Blood Relatives. I watched Dark Man, which obviously you didn't make, but is tied to you Matt, in some please. way or another. It's a masterpiece, and we're going to talk about that later on. Uh, but finally, I also watched A Wounded Fawn. And I want to say congratulations, because I just saw on your Twitter earlier today, it was listed on Rotten Tomatoes' best horror movies of 2022 ranked. Number five. Number five. Which is crazy, and that's that's just that's just now. In the next few weeks, there'll be something else that'll qualify and change Rotten Tomatoes' rankings. But uh, yeah, Travis is a heavy hitter. I mean, he each of his projects have have been a hit in their own right. I think Girl on the Third Floor was like mm-hmm. for a moment the most watched movie on Netflix or something insane. Wow. Um, he just, and Jacob's wife won like Fangoria chainsaw awards and was certified fresh, like right away. He, he just knows right. how to make them, you know, for sure. This was definitely my favorite of all of the films that he's made so far. I've seen all those three projects that you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. This one just for me took it to another level. Uh, and I'm a huge fan of, of pro wrestling and CM Punk. Phil Brooks is the main character in uh, girl yeah. on the third floor. And I love that movie, but yeah, I mean, Wounded Fawn took it to another level. And it was funny because I watched it first and then Josh watched it like, was it right after me or like concurrently? Uh, before I, I mean, I mean, I pretty much started watching it as you were about to finish it. So, right. So I'm texting him. I'm like, dude, this is nuts. Like, I couldn't believe my eyes. <laughs> some of the stuff that was going on. Um, yeah. So yeah, crazy film. I guess we can kind of dive into that and just kind of ask some questions relating to Wounded oh, yeah. Fawn. So first of all, your signature weapon in this film. <laughs> what's the origin behind that? Like, where did that come from? And also, I want to ask: Did you get to keep it after the film was done? Well, if I did get to keep it, I would not have made it very far on the plane because the <laughs> real one, we had two of them, the replica of which was, you know, used for obviously all the physical contact, including when I was, uh, you know, no, no spoilers, uh, using it on a certain person, um, right. m- multiple people. Um, so Travis, Travis set out to find an obscure weapon that was unlike uh, anything we'd seen in the slasher verse before. And this character, Bruce, that I play, this total narcissist, would be one to want to kill with an exotic thing. Um, he, you know, as Travis put it the other day, he's like, I'm not like the, the that Michael Myers type. I'm not like uh, Freddy with his glove. I use a bog knock. Because it's uh, it, it's an assassin's tool that originated in India um, that makes murders look like uh, tiger attacks, and that's what the thing actually is. So he basically looked up like obscure murder weapon okay. and found this on the internet. It's it's called a bog knock, and we had we had two of them. The, the real thing is heavy um, and really really kind of kind of scary to you know put in your hand because you're like you could really you could fuck someone up with this thing. Um, right. But it made it. I don't know. It's just uh, it was kind of an incredible compliment to this insane character and this insane script that he'd written um yeah i'm i'm, I'm glad you glad you called that one out i i can't remember if you had a follow-up question to that i'm, I'm short-term memory today but uh yeah but that, <laughs> no, that thing was was rad it's all good and I, another thing that i i noticed as i was watching it was just the vibes in general were something yeah. else and i was talking to josh and i said this reminds me of a jalo 
like an old yeah. Italian Shalo film. Yeah. Yeah. Which well put up, it I'm really is. wearing a Suspiria Whoa! shirt today. Yeah. 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 So Travis set out as an homage. Absolutely. Okay. That's that's actually cool to hear because that is um, I mean, Brett has watched a lot of them, but I have watched it is like my favorite subgenre of horror yeah. movies. Um, and Dario Argento specifically and Mario Baba and mm. all of those kind of heavy hitters are some of my favorite directors of all times. And I think right up from the the very beginning of that movie the the colors the doors the vibes the atmosphere how it's set up yeah it could be i've seen a lot of people talk about it as like a traditional slasher in the beginning and then it, we go other places but to me immediately i was like oh this is this is a gala movie is what it feels like so it's cool to hear hear that as it basically being kind of intentional right like you said yeah, absolutely. He knew that he wanted the blood to have that red orange kind of a tint to it. He knew he wanted to shoot it on 16 mil, which Joe Bagos had done on a movie called Bliss. And he was just sort of asking him to demystify that process. And then, you know, you go to you go to a composer even like Val, who's this total genius um, Swede of a man. Um, and he knew exactly kind of in view that sort of goblin-esque um sort of uh uh female vocal um interlaid kind of composition and then what you what you end up having is just it's it's this wholly visionary idea i mean it's the movie is patrick bateman at the evil dead cabin mm -hmm. at its most boiled <laughs> down but then you know the so it's it's a it's a film for say the metal of us horror fans but it's also a film that you can unpack as like an artist or someone who, you know, um, understands Greek mythology, which I think is why it's hitting on, on so many levels. And I'm curious, too, from your guys perspective, it's just I'm I, I'm I'm amazed when anything gets out there and sort of, quote unquote, hits on, on a level the way that, say, even Terrifier 2 is right now mm. um, yeah. in a different sort of way. I wonder if it's that you know it's just fresh and it's not entirely derivative like it's got a fresh set sort of uh uh actually the movie fresh style setup and then okay psycho killer's taking a girl to a cabin but then it goes off off the rails is it that it is that we all want to see something different right is that kind of why we're all stoked on the chainsaw man of it all and the art the clown and the wounded fawn and like you know um even nope which like nope was yeah. not my number one movie but like the imagery the akira yeah. shout out i mean all yeah. that kind of um that brilliance inlaid that's what we're kind of excited about the barbarian right i mean right. it's just like you guys as consumers that's what you're you're stoked to 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 consume yeah yeah you Absolutely. are you are listing i mean it, things that hit for us you know recently all of those yeah. things and i think you know brett and i are huge horror is our favorite genre not just in video games movies tv like that is yeah. that's our yeah. bread and butter that's what we love um and i think the great thing about movies like wounded fawn and a lot of the other ones that you mentioned is that there's something there is something familiar to them mm -hmm. there's like a touchstone that you can go back mm -hmm. to like to me like i mean there's like oh gallo good i can roll up with a blanket and this is comfort food to me but then mm -hmm. On the flip side of that, it's like I also love movies and I study film and I work in theater and stuff like that. So it was seeing the more deep parts of those things that don't come off as pretentious but actually mm -hmm. thought provoking gives you the touchstone to, you know, things that you love but also challenges you as a consumer. Mm -hmm. But I think also somebody that doesn't care about either of those, those things can also watch it and enjoy it. And those three pillars are what I think makes things like Wounded Vaughn really hit and take off. Yeah, yeah, you really have to. I'm learning that you have to make a splash. You have to, you know, your movie has to be noisy and you're touching on all of the things I think that qualify 
the the movies that broke through even hellbender which i haven't seen everybody's dying you know over hellbender um uh they have these kind of they have these splashy plots and sequences where you can go like oh you got to see this movie because of this um you know as someone who came from like the 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 viral video world like coming up through making videos for college humor that's how i got my start it's like that's very familiar to me now you have to break through especially now that any of us could make a movie on our phone or what have you it's it's an interesting thing to kind of talk about with people yeah Yeah, and and we just came off of the the whole like reboot era where i feel like every movie was getting a reboot so like it's getting that breath of fresh air uh for like especially a horror film because so many horror films have been remade over the years it's just like like it's it's time you know truly it's rad to see especially on the rotten tomatoes list how many of them are original i was going back and going wait a minute let me just let me just take a look here it's like even like ty west movies just pearl and x alone the fact that they were out and they were back to back and he you know he smartly or 824 smartly was like yeah fuck it go for it like spend another million bucks on just using these sets just just um i don't know it gives me hope for what 2023 and beyond is going to be and also the fact that universal just like really doubled down on some gonzo uh shit yeah, yeah. you know megan sure. being one of them which I'm sure is going to be bonkers in its own way from blumhouse but like violent night and nope i mean i just i don't know I, cocaine I've got, bear I've got high hopes cocaine bear yeah. absolutely absolutely like that's absolutely genius and you know that that movie's gonna be packed oh and people are gonna go back for that you know yeah So something that you touched on, uh, and I know Brett and I are really dying to ask you about one moment in particular in Wounded Fawn, and we can, of course, talk about your other movies as well. We don't have to spend the whole time Wounded Fawn, but we do. We love it. Um, You you touched on something that people remember moments, and I do think it's one thing to have a complete package for something, and it's another thing to be able to market that and be like, oh, you have to see this scene or this moment or whatever it is Mm -hmm. like you talked about, or this kill. Think about like Terrifier Mm -hmm. 2, like the bedroom scene in that. Like, Mm -hmm. There's some fucked up shit going on out there, but people remember it, and it's awesome. Wounded Fawn um well spoil this is going to be a spoiler and i don't know if you want to go into them or not but the last moment of the movie with you um performing a scene in one take that's a really long time i'm trying i'll I'll let you dictate how far in (laughs) we go but the very end of the movie is really long uh in the and i mean that just in the the sequence itself and it's really messed up and it really is seared into i think our brains so would you want to touch on that a little bit maybe um yeah absolutely i mean i i uh by the time we shot that sequence it was the end of shooting it was the last 48 hours of shooting and um you know in your second to last day when you're you, the as travis uses the analogy of the band the band all knows what they're capable of what they're down to do what their strengths are and all he knew that he could ask both Sarah and I to stay in it for this 11 minute take. You know, we spent a, a, an 11 minute film cartridge. That's how long it'll, a cartridge lasts, as I've learned. Um, so there's five other minutes on the cutting room floor, believe it or not, of this very scene. Um, he just was like, I know you guys can do it. Let's, you know, let just go for it. Uh, just give it a try. And I was like, oh, yeah, absolutely. So when people see that and they ask me, oh my gosh, weren't you cold and weren't you wet and weren't the rocks tough on your legs? And, you know, what about your, you were wearing this prosthetic eyepiece. And yeah, I mean, it was, there was discomfort, but I was, that, that was so eclipsed by the excitement and the buzz of just like being in the theater of it all. Like, I, you know, I come from theater too and it's, you know, it's like, oh yeah, we're just, 
you got to be on for this. There's no fucking up. Or if you do fuck up, it's just the, you know, we got to embrace the, uh, we got to embrace the, 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 the hopefully gift flaw of it all. Um, uh, and that it will read just, just as, as organic. Um, we were all just down to do it and stoked to do it. And I'm just, I'm just thrilled that he asked and look what happens. It's like in the moment he says, Hey, why don't we just try this thing? Cause we're running out of time and the sun's coming up. Um, I think this might, you know, I got to follow my gut on this. And now it ends up being the thing where people are going, well, I'm not super stoked even on the trailer, but maybe I'll just check it out just to see, you know, what the ending's all about. I'll just sit through it. And then you see what you like along the way. You know, you realize you fall for the the, the feminist revenge story or the performances or the imagery or the shallow homage of it all. Um, so it's, I don't know, it's definitely getting my gears turning as a filmmaker, like with the things that are kind of on my table or floating around right now that I'm sort of wondering is going to hit first. When I get into prep on the next thing, I'm definitely going to be keeping in mind, like, what's the thing that's going to make, you know, consumers like you want to go to the theater. Like I want those cocaine bear people. I, I want it to be something that I'd want to rewatch. Um, you have to keep your eye on that and know that you're going into something with producers, with partners that want that same shit. Well said. Very well said. You mentioned very briefly there, like the prosthetic that you had on your eye. Yeah. What was the process like for that? Because when it was kind of not early on, but like you had that on for like a really long time in the movie, like a big chunk of that movie is just you wearing yeah. this prosthetic on your eye. What was that process like? How long did it take to put the makeup on? Was it hard to keep it on? Did it try falling off? It, uh, it, once that thing was on, it was affixed pretty tightly. Like our, yeah. our makeup artist, uh, Ashley Thomas, the sculptor is actually Dan Martin, who did, I believe, prosthetics on Possessor. Um, he works with mm -hmm. Brandon Cronenberg, which is why nice. the thing just looked so fucking rad. It was it almost did. sort of paper thin. And when, when Ashley applied it, you know, um, what it does is kind of gets you into character. I mean, you lose a bit of your vision to a degree, or when you look in the mirror, you're like, oh my God, your brain is saying you have an injury, something isn't right. So you have this kind of wooziness. It helps with the head wound. It helps with the motivation, getting in the character of it all. But once that thing was on, it was stuck on, you know, it's uncomfortable in the beginning of the day because it's, you know, being shellacked on with cold spirit gum. And then at the end of the day, it's got to get taken off with, you know, stinky ass um, remover. Um, I feel like at some point I started to get a little irritation, like on my cheekbone. I, I'm used to it. I've worn prosthetics for a lot of my career and the makeup would take, I'd say a minimum of 45 minutes, but that was, that was probably the amount. Yeah, it really wasn't, you know, I throw on my, like, uh, my, my ash like get up, um, and then, uh, you know, get the prosthetic on a little bit of blood in the hair from Kai stamps, our, uh, our hair stylist. And, and I was ready to roll. Very awesome. cool. So. Let's uh, shift gears maybe a little bit and talk about something that is completely opposite tonally object that you uh, are involved in, not just as an actor, but as a producer um, mm -hmm. that is is out and about and also getting its uh, fair share of praise, which it deserves as well, because uh, I think we both also quite liked the movie. And that is Blood Relatives. So this movie is completely tonally different. Um, I personally mm -hmm. found it super endearing and really yeah. lighthearted and a really nice just like we talked about with Wounded Fawn, there's like a nice touchstone to like, mm -hmm. not just a coming of age or a father daughter story or, a, you know, vampires or whatever, but mm -hmm. it flips it on its head. And there's something really endearing about these characters and just watching them together and exist together um, mm -hmm. that I found really awesome. So maybe if you just want to comment about, you know, your, your part in the movie or really whatever you want to talk about with it, that's just kind of to, to get us started down with that. 
Well, yeah. Uh, so Noah Segan, who wrote, directed, and produced, he he was actually a test audience member for Werewolves Within for my second um, film. And there's this because it was during the pandemic that we were doing tests. There was it was over Zoom, and there's this function on Zoom when you can essentially spy on a panel. Um, and so I was, you know, I was like a, an a, an unknown guest viewing the the uh, the panelists talk about the film and taking notes and how can we make it better and blah blah. And I was like, holy shit, that dude is in Looper. I fucking love Looper. He was great as Kid Blue. Um, that was how I, I recognized Noah. And then you look and he's, he's you know, see he's done forty movies. Um, we got on the phone and we're just kind of shooting the shit. And I was being, you know, very thankful for his involvement and just kind of picking his brain about working with Ryan Johnson and all this stuff. And he had ended up seeing or had seen Scare Me, my first film. And he was like, you know, I've got an intimate kind of character-driven uh, genre movie, not too dissimilar in scale. Would you be interested in reading it? I read it. I really dug it. And he said, would you be interested in producing it? I said, I'm not a paperwork producer by any means, but I'm a connector. I know actors. I'm happy to help direct you when you're on screen. I didn't really have that for me, you know, when I did my first film, sort of self-directing. And he was like, yeah, let's go for it. So I came born as a as a producer and he sort of knew right away that I was kind of, you know, wild and weird enough to do, uh, to do this Renfield esque character. And that's how Roger came to be. But yeah, you're, t you're right. It's, it's a completely different film tonally. And I, I like that. I, I think that's why it made the splash that it did. And I think it's going to have a long life because it technically is a gateway horror. It's, or it's mm. something at least that, that parents could watch with their, their teenagers or that, uh, young girls might canonize down the down the road, and it's just. But what's I think the most exciting thing, just to finish the point, is just that people have been especially vocal about a TV series. They're like, "Wow, I'd watch five seasons of this." And I'm like, "Shit, you know, maybe that, maybe that's the move." So we're sort of talking about that, and you know, um, talking to Noah about uh, I don't know, just at least lighting the fire under under him to you know come up with an angle that he's excited about, um, and uh, and then we can we can see how that nets out. I'm glad you brought that up because that was actually one of the questions and one of the points that we were going to bring up to you was that we loved this movie. We wanted more. And like we felt like as the shenanigans of a father and daughter were, were you know, just getting started, the film ended and we were like, dude, yeah. this would have made such a great show. It was like a pilot episode, really. And yeah. you know, we would have really, or we would really, really dig, you know, a full TV show of this. Uh, what we do in the shadows is a huge hit right now. Another vampire horror comedy type of thing. Yeah. So you know, people are into that stuff. So yeah, they really it, are. And I think subverting movie monsters as well, putting them in, mm -hmm. a, in a completely different scenario or environment or taking it, let's take it away from the brutal kind of, you know, Amblin esque scope and put it in a different kind of real world uh, world scenario um i think that might even be why like bones and all even though that isn't a, a movie monster mm -hmm. movie more grounded more kind of artful horror um there's something interesting i think it just all it all boils down to fresh angle shit and why you know why i think we're all so eager uh to to devour something different um has sort of paid off to that degree that people are going oh thank god this is we can't, these guys can't compete with 30 days a night anyway, or let the right one in. So they're going the other way. Let's, and, right. and that's, that's what I dig about it. Um, and yeah, I'm super proud of that one as a producer. I think it's going to have a nice life. Yeah. And your character is just <laughs> one, of, one of the best parts of the whole film, to be honest with you. Um, you played, was it Roger? Was his name? Yeah. Ro uh, Roger 
Roger Fieldner, so a total Renfield rip. Yeah. Right. Big Raj, as uh, yeah. he's referred to. He's not um, that big. <laughs> but yeah man that that was a great film um another film of yours that i love is one that i i think i'm gonna dub like your tommy wiseau movie and it's because you just you were the writer you were the actor you were the director and you were the producer scare me yes sir. Uh, what was it like making that movie because to me that's such like a it's an intimate movie it takes place in mainly one location inside that cabin what was it like filming that? Uh, for me, it was a total dream. I think for the crew, um, it was really tough because, uh, and this, that's a testament to how great of a producer and a, and a team that I had is that me, even as the boss, even as a producer, I still had to act and be there as a partner for my actors. Um, uh, the team was very small. It was a skeleton crew. It was in a very cold um uh time of year in upstate new york we'd had got two or three nasty blizzards even nastier than than i could recall as someone who grew up in the hudson valley in that area but it was a dream come true because it's like you know i'm making a movie in the town i grew up in with an actress who's been on several seasons of tv who is just like down to fuck around and and also with a saturday night live cast member at the time chris red who's a total genius and becky drysdale who's one of the funniest people i know um my producers were my homies and irony point dan powell and alex bach um andrew rhodes uh it it was such a killer um operation but very kind of Fitzcarraldo at the beginning you know it's like the the production van slid on the ice into a trench we were delayed on uh, loading into the house we i mean i only had my lead actor for nine days of the 12 days we shot um and it was a tight movie um but it was a total dream like all i wanted to do was cross the the bucket list thing um off off said list of making a movie let alone like then getting acquired by shutter let alone then getting a sundance it was like holy shit that, that i i didn't think we'd we check all these other extra boxes this is just cream um that was that was killer of course you could noodle on everything i wish i could go back and cut like it was my first movie so you you see all the little things you'd want to fix i wish i could cut some some minutes out of the film and change this to that the other thing but it's you know my first kid it's my my uh my baby my first baby so I, i'll love it forever and i'm so so glad i did it and it, it made my career yeah, yeah. I think um, because I, Brett had seen Scare Me a long time ago, I just saw it for the first time more recently. And what stood out to me about it, I mean, it is very intimate, like Brett said. It's it's you know primarily one location, uh, but uh, it's so um, actor driven, and mm -hmm. a lot of it is well the whole runtime pretty much just you all telling stories with each other. And yeah, there's like a meta narrative going on and stuff like that, but it's really about these, these stories that you're telling to each other. And one of the things that really stood out to me is that it's all accomplished, not just through your guys acting ability, which is excellent, but sound effects and the way that you set up the shots and how you pace things that it's really not very, um, uh, there's no fluff to the presentation of it. It's all kind of raw talent and a lot of this mixing with the sound behind the scenes. That's what really stood out yeah. to me ab about it. It's a yeah. sound designer's movie and a composer's movie. And mm -hmm. that, that was part of how I sold through, you know, me not being a movie star 
um, and Aya being a TV star and Chris, of mm. course, coming aboard. It, it's it's how I sold through the thing and got any any number of dollars to make it was, oh, I've never seen that before. An anthology film that doesn't leave the campfire, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, uh, and that that's that that's really all we could afford to do was you know a propless uh a prop a propless anthology film and um uh i think between that and the social commentary of it all and yes giving especially an actress like aya the opportunity to do some shit you've never seen her before that she'd never had the opportunity to do before that just became the confluent that perfect storm that made the thing possible yeah, and we're big fans of Aya. Obviously, she's huge on the boys. Amazon's the boys. Um, yeah. She plays a complete asshole stormfront in that show. <laughs> From everything I've heard about her, literally the complete opposite of who she is in real life, like complete, complete, complete opposite uh, of who she really is. So can you just talk to you know Aya and how good of an actress or actor you have to be to play such a piece of shit, you know? well she's a fucking genius and what i love about aya is she's one you know she came from theater so she's extremely collaborative and she's also a risk taker and she's one to say absolutely i'll crawl on the floor uh, or i'll do this dog growl or i'll do this russian accent or i'll do this that and the other thing she wanted to do the whole character of fanny in a russian accent i was like you got to be a clean so you got to be a uh, you have to be a clean canvas um for the rest of the movie you're gonna be playing a lot of different things so be happy to default in your own voice um i mean she's one she's wonderful she's a dream uh a dream collaborator um i couldn't have asked for a better a better partner uh in that endeavor she you know what I like to do is is go through any project. I did this with Werewolves too, and ask my actors, "How do you like to be talked to? How do you like to be directed?" Just to mm-hmm. kind of get a sense of where they're at psychologically, yeah. how they like to work. And she said, "The only thing I I I don't do are three in a rows." You know, there are some actors like like I can I can do it because I'm a sociopath. You know, they they, they like say like just take that line again. Just give me three in a row any way you want to do it. It's like, well, I I just met the baker. I just met the baker. I just met the baker and whatever. And you're standing there and you're kind of doing it on your own time. But she as a theater actor and as a feeler, um, her just technique wise, she wants to be led into the dialogue. So that was mm-hmm. that was the one thing you kind of archive. But I mean, that, that was it. Otherwise, she was like so easy peasy. Um, yeah. None of us could really believe as, you know, small timers, essentially, that she was in this small living room d- doing all the things she was doing with full commitment. She's she's a dream. And she just texted me the other day. She's like, remember when we made a movie together? And I was like, yes. And she's like, I hope we get to do it again. I would love to <laughs> oh. find that role um, uh, that brings us back together. That's, That's fantastic. Awesome. Yeah. And she hadn't gotten the boys yet when we finished that movie. Mm-hmm. By the time press rolled around, she had just become this superhero on a big Amazon show. And we're like, this is going to help us. Thank yeah. fucking God. How cool is that? That timing was just rad. Yeah, yeah for sure. That's awesome. Yeah. One more thing I want to mention about Scare Me is I went into it and I, I read the description of it. And like Josh said, I watched it a couple of months ago or, or maybe even a year ago at this point. And I went into it and I read the description and I was like, oh, this is an anthology movie. I'm a huge fan of horror anthologies. I was expecting like VHS or ABCs of death. You know what I mean? And I I go into it and it completely subverted my expectations. And it was all almost more so like uh, there's this film, 2008 Pontypool. I don't know if you've ever seen it. No. So 
Pontypool is this zombie virus outbreak film that takes place all inside of a radio station. And it's very um, tell but don't show. So the main Ooh. character is the host of a radio show, and he's kind of doing this radio show throughout a, a zombie virus. And he's like, let's go cut to our field correspondent. And it's, you know, you hear it, but you can't see it. Ooh, uh, and I, 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 I got that, that vibe from, from Scare Me when, when you guys are, you know, acting out the stories that you're telling. You're not actually showing us, per se, everything that's going on. But we're, we're kind of, you know, visualizing it in our head, seeing you guys act it out. So yeah. Total, total cool vibes from that, and I definitely recommend it. If you haven't seen Pontypool, check that out. It's on my letterbox watch list as we speak. There you go. There you go. That's rad. Love that. Yeah, man. Uh, speaking of Letterboxd, and we'll we'll hop around a little bit here. I know we still want to touch on a couple other things too, but I just have to mention it, and we don't have to talk about it that long. But dear, one of my favorite projects by you is uh, a short film I actually found on your website called Freddie Daryl. Um, yeah. which um, I forget what the, the dates and everything were, but I think it is like, it's a, it's a great showcase, uh, not just for you, like as an actor, but I mean, just for somebody to watch one person just, and eventually another person just do a character, like a great character <laughs> um, constantly and really, really truthfully. Um, so I enjoyed that movie quite a bit and there's a weird little twist at the end. And <laughs> I would love to talk about that, but um we use Letterboxd all the time. I, most yeah. people that love movies do. You're on Letterboxd. Um, we, we know that. We follow you on Letterboxd. We log every movie we watch on Letterboxd. Yeah. So I watched Freddy Daryl. I went to go log, log it on Letterboxd, and I was like, it's not on Letterboxd. Why is it not on Letterboxd? I know it's a short film, but Letterboxd is full of short films. Why isn't it logged on Letterboxd? Yeah, yeah. So what I did I, is I figured out how to because it's almost like a digital shelf and i feel strongly about making sure everything i watch is logged i found out how to create a movie data database account and add things to the back end of letterbox and get it listed so freddie daryl is now listed on letterbox and i logged it because i watched it so wait are you josh tall yeah, yeah i am yeah oh my god i just looked you logged it oh my god that's so fun oh geez <laughs> that is so great oh my yeah. god bless you so that for some reason, um, Letterbox like crops the poster really strangely, but at least it's on there because I was a little uh, triggered when I found out that it wasn't on there because it's like a completionist thing for us, I think, is just making sure yeah. that that through line is there for everything that we watch. So that's listed on Letterbox, and I just wanted to mention that because it was- Oh my uh... <laughs> God, that is so cool of you. I'm looking at it, and I'm like, holy shit, look at that. I can't believe that worked out. I got all the crew members and everything. Yeah. Oh man, that made my day. Oh, very good. cool. Happy to do it. Um, it is. It was selfish, but I'm also happy to do it. Uh, I mean, it's just, it, it pays off in droves for all of us because now the world will understand. Yeah, you know the funny story about Freddie Daryl. I had like some Christmas money, um, mm. from it was got 2017, and it. I don't know if it was a grandparent or someone that sent me a check. It was a few hundred dollars in cash. And I was like, I'm going to use that rather than like spending it on toys. Maybe I'll use this to uh, see who's around um, upstate. And if I can get a sound person, a makeup person um, and uh, and a shooter to just like come out, make a couple hundred bucks and um and uh and be in and out in like four hours we shot freddie daryl in like four hours you know and we were freezing wow. right i gave them all cash 
um we used my parents house as home base we shot the thing and i didn't i don't think i even submitted it to, to any film festivals or anything so i was like this isn't gonna get anywhere but josh like reggie watts and sarah silverman and michael sarah's brief uh, internet venture uh mm-hmm. licensed it um which i thought was just so fun that you know just like you go out and you make a thing just for you and you put it out into the world and it's like, Oh no shit. Even someone just wants to, you know, give me a little money to put it out on their platform or it just, it was just a, um, I, I'm just so glad I followed my gut that day because I truly was debating whether, you know, I was going to like make it or not make it. Um, and I'm glad I did. People are still talking about it many, many a year later. Um, if you're so, if you're listening and you're thinking about making the thing, like make the thing, it's so good. You just n- never know how it's going to pay off. And I also, I'll kind of briefly hint that <clears throat> rediscovering Freddie, I want to, revisit that character in a found footage format maybe a horror found footage format oh hell yeah i think that might be super fun yeah yeah yeah. that would be awesome that would be awesome because the end um and we don't have to talk about it if you're going to incorporate it larger but like the end there's just just a little touchstone to something a little off right at the end and that like it's like you're watching, I don't know if it was the intent or not, but I feel like it probably was, but it's like you're watching like a like a mockumentary style thing almost is what mm-hmm. it felt like. Mm-hmm. And then right at the end, there's something just a little weird and off and then it's over. And that type of thing mm-hmm. is a great little hook, especially if you were to expand that project because the, I think one of the scariest things is when things seem totally normal and then mm-hmm. there's something just slightly off and then yeah. it puts a pit in your stomach. And that's usually yeah. the most engaging type of horror. I agree. I agree. I mean, God bless Joseph Winter and Vanessa Winter, who made Deadstream, um, uh, you know, to rope you in. So it's it's not not super congruent of a film, but to rope you in mm-hmm. with that that humor and familiarity and humor. And then just to, like, whip your ass with those uh, creature effects. Like, right. that is the definition of horror comedy. And through the... Through the uh, the vehicle of um of found footage like how how inspiring yeah heck yeah all right well we said we were going to talk about video games a little bit more and i think now's the time so mr rubin i have a, a huge question for you <laughs> you have created here you have directed the one of the best rating video game movies of all time with werewolves within and I know yeah. there's not many good video game movies out there, but God damn it, you made a great one. But my question is, how did Werewolves Within get tied to Ubisoft? How did that happen? How did it you know become part of this video game property for this VR party game? Like how did that how did that happen? Uh, I had never heard of the video game before, which terrified me to a degree because I had this project come to me to basically pitch on. I was like a video game movie. You know how those go. Um, but it was part of uh, Ubisoft's women's film and television fellowship program. And Mishna Wolf, the writer of Mm -hmm. uh, Werewolves Within, um, basically chose that property that this obscure video game and saw an opportunity to make a thing like who done it, a clue like who done it. Um, and, uh, that's why I was like, holy shit, I have to pitch on this. It's so great. I didn't know the video game existed when I got the gig, Ubisoft asked me to come in and play the video game. There weren't even enough people online to play the video game with me. I had to play with the video game uh, creators. I want to say at Red Storm Entertainment, yeah. maybe. Um, and they were so sweet. Um, and I I was terrible at it. Um, 
and uh, I may have I may have fooled them on like round three or so, but I got the sense of it. Um, nice. But I think that's why they gave us so much freedom is because it was kind of an obscure Ubisoft game to begin with, and part of their program was let's just give writers carte blanche to take the nugget of um, the concept of these obscure video games and create IP. Um, and uh, and that's that's how it came to me. And when I got the gig, I asked Ubisoft, my producers, I said, what do I owe you guys? What are the Easter eggs I owe you? If, I, you know, if I'm watching a video game movie or anything based on anything, I want Easter eggs. And they're like, you don't owe us anything. You don't have to put any Easter eggs in it. Um, you just owe us a good movie. And I was like, well, I don't want that. I do want to make a good movie, but I do want to put an Easter egg. So there are some werewolves within kind of nods. Like I'm staring at right now. I have the book, you know, the book, the, the key, mm. the directory, your your book of weaponry, arsenals, you know, a bag of tricks um, uh, is uh, was the ledger at the Beaverfield Inn sitting on Janine's um, oh, wow. sort of desk. And so the whole crew, the cast and crew signed it and I'm staring at it. It's on my bookshelf. Um, and, uh, you know, you can see in the video game, they're sitting around this kind of gnarled tree table. I said, my production de designer, we have to get that table, like at least for the scene that is totally ripped from the game. Um, that's what it's all about. Let's make it kind of feel like we even looked at the color tones. Let's get a little bit of purple in there. Let's get this down the other thing. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was a dream come true otherwise, because it wasn't a $35 million movie. It was like Blumhouse size, you know? Yeah. OG Blumhouse was, you know, six, seven million bucks. Like, we just go make this thing. It's just technically an independent film, you know. Um, and uh, and it turned out kind of wild. I think that's why I performed so well, is they trusted a filmmaker to do their thing. Mm. And um, the editor of Mandy actually did the Ooh. did Werewolves, uh, Brett Bachman. Wow. He's just total genius. Yeah, he's We're a big fans weapon. of Mandy. That's yeah, a great bet, movie. Yeah. Yeah, it's killer. Yeah, Brett is just phenomenal. He also did like Pig and The Vigil oh, yeah? oh, and wow. Toxic Avenger, which is coming out, and he's going to do Fall of the House of Usher. It's just Ooh. great. Wow. He's, wow. he's a secret weapon. Very cool. Mm -hmm. So one more thing on Werewolves Within, because we are huge fans of him. Um, Sam Richardson is in Werewolves Within, yes. um, and we are – I mean, I feel like everybody that really likes um, anything or has, you know, a sense of humor loves um, I Think You Should Leave. Uh, and maybe I maybe lesser known is Detroiters, which is a show that he was on as well. Um, yep. What was it like working with Sam Richardson? Um, we find him exceedingly funny and hilarious and love to watch him. So what was it like working with him? Is he like funny on set? Like, is he basically the same in real life as he is when you see him? Recorded? Such a sweetheart on screen. So well, such a sweetheart in real life. So yeah. funny in real life. He wants to do good as the lead of a movie would. He hadn't led many films, so he really he brought his A game just as he'd done with all of his work um previously. But this was a big deal for him. Um and it was really important to me to give an actor like Sam the opportunity to play the hero. Um, we were all super excited for that, Sam included. And he was, he was super grateful about it. He's like, yeah, you know, I don't usually get the opportunity to, to get to play this role. So let's do something fun with it. I mean, you see, he was amazing, amazing, collaborative, like such a great leader, just like Finn Wheeler is, you know, and then off camera, he's just cackling and laughing with everybody like, just to watch him and like Harvey Guillen in the kitchen, like having snacks, the, the set, you know, um, alone, like, Oh my God, these are two like, 
comedy legends in the making right here um for sure it was it was amazing the th the magic thing about sam is that he has tom hanks like a tom hanks like endearing quality to him but then uh he's got the comedic delivery that is so trailblazingly whip uh whip fast whip sharp um uh razor sharp i should say and whip fast uh that that you just you don't know what hits you like he'll just say something under his breath that's the funniest thing ever um yeah. so i couldn't ask for a better better leader to film and i'm dying to work with him again that's awesome. awesome all right well we have about 10 minutes left so we have to talk about it we got to talk about dark man i mean what yes, a film dude. man what a film, what a film. And I, I was born in 1995 i don't want to date myself mm -hmm. this film came out in what the 1990 19 1990 yeah that's correct i had never heard of this film until i think i saw your name attached to it on twitter somehow mm -hmm. so can you talk about how your name became associated with dark man i started tweeting the shit out of it uh, <laughs> i just that's... suddenly remembered that when i was a kid i used to watch this movie again and again and again um and wore the vhs into the ground or i guess my parents had let me rent it again and again and again because they were like oh it looks like a superhero film um right. uh i mean it's scary batman like what's it's like scary funny batman at least it was to me as a kid and then you look at it now and you're just like this is just i rented it again after many 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 years i went ahead and bought it and um, I was like, holy shit, I, this is a rewatchable movie. You could watch this a few times a month and not get sick of it because it's a, a he, he is totally, Raimi is a master of his craft at that point. He's made, he's made a comic book movie and it yep. is not a rocket science um, uh, endeavor. You, it's just a fun thing. You put it on the background, you can sit down on the edge of your seat, you can enjoy the performances, the camera work. There's so much to enjoy. Um, and, um, I started tweeting the shit out about how I wanted to make a legacy sequel. I wanted to play in that world. And then my, I said to my reps, I said, you have to find out, you know, who has the IP. Well, Sam Raimi, you got to get his blessing, but Universal has it. And so I have had some meetings. I have done some pitches. I have talked to Sam Raimi about Darkman. Um, uh, there's no further movement right now, but my guess is that if I have my like barbarian moment that there might be. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm hoping that my technique or my plan in my life and the filmography of my life, because dark man or to play in that world is my white whale is to that. The next movie I do feels like a sort of horrific, a horror adventure movie with some action. So that you can really kind of see, okay, it's not, now when we got to see him do like this black box theater thing, and we got to see him do the kind of creepy beer field in kind of clue thing, tremors thing. And like, I want the next thing to be like, oh shit, this guy can do, he can handle, so he can, you know, he can handle punches and kicks and gunshots. He can, and he can go for the horror, but it's so funny. So um, if I can do that as kind of a continued um, sort of real piece to work my way towards, um, you know, my my Bruckner Hellraiser moment with with uh, with Darkman. Although I wouldn't want to remake Darkman, I think Darkman warrants a legacy sequel because if you do look up Liam Neeson Darkman, he very recently said I'd still be down. Um, you don't need to hang him from a, a building, but I think there's a story there that you know folks who haven't discovered the original uh, movie. I think I think they'd be interested, and I think there I think there's something there. I think there's a way in. Um, so we'll. Uh, 
We'll see how that nets out. But my guess is that the reason why they haven't dusted off the IP for some time is it just sort of it came and went. It made money back then, but it is an obscure film. And, you know, there's probably a feeling that um, it would need to be remade. But, dude, look at what original movies are being made right now. You know, mm. who, what's to say that a horror hero movie getting made wouldn't kill? Right. And yeah. Halloween just got a whole trilogy based off of just the canon of the first film, right? Fuck so yeah, that's right. Why, why can't we? Why can't we just make a sequel to Dark Man? That's not that's the two, right. You know, two or three that already happened. That's yeah. right. I mean, I wish Dark Man was as indelible a cultural milestone as Halloween, and that's probably right. a piece of it. But you look at the comic book spinoffs and Raimi just as a person, just you know, with his name and his stamp on and everything else. I have I have a good feeling about it. I don't know. I think um, uh, I also because I've I've tweeted about it so much and talked <laughs> so much that I've stunk up the IP that people think like, well, I can't touch that. That's Josh Rubens, and I'm like, oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> so we'll we'll see how it how it nets out if I can follow through and actually make the fucking thing. It's such a quotable movie. Josh and I oh were talking God. earlier. Just Dude. so many lines. Like I can't imagine like. You watching it as a kid, it must have been such a different experience watching it as an adult because I'm watching it yeah. as an adult and I'm like, holy shit, this is such like a quotable movie. It's such a funny movie. And like yeah. even parts where I'm not sure if they're trying to be funny, but it just comes off as funny. Like the main opening scene, uh, as soon as he pulls the leg off and he starts you know, <laughs> shooting, all of a sudden these cars bust out of cardboard or uh, yeah. wooden boxes out of nowhere. There's guys yeah. in the morning, like just yeah. fucking chaos, man. Chaos, chaos, full on Raimi action chaos and right. and that is just a fucking dream yeah, yeah. well i'll I tell you what flaps. <laughs> if anyone if anyone can do it it's you so i mean bless you i i uh i think so too i'm gonna say yes that's right i i sure will awesome there you go so we're pretty much out of time um i know we're gonna do two I, two or three more just rapid fire questions that if that's okay with you and we can do sure. real quick answers and then we'll we'll wrap up first of all I think we probably know the answer to this, but is horror your favorite genre? I'd have to say horror is my favorite genre. I was a horror lover before I was a, a comedy lover. Awesome. Yeah, and you spent a lot of your time in comedy with uh, college That's humor, right. like you said, right? Years. Yeah, but if you do look closely at the shit that did well in that trajectory or the stuff that I was clearly helming, it was pretty dark. It was darker leaning, darker comedy. Even Freddie Darrell has like a wink of it. Uh, yeah, always, always been a genre fan first. Excellent. What is your favorite subgenre in horror? Ooh. Oh man, I'm an aquatic horror freak. Okay. Uh, even, even like Ooh, even okay. bad ones. Like there are ones I'm, I'm even hearing about. There was one that was announced years ago. I can't stop thinking about. I bought The Shallows. You know what I mean? Mm, I, I yeah. like a bad shark movie. I like a good shark movie. But any, any, uh, anything in water. Any, I loved Crawl. I'm mm. a big uh, aquatic horror person. That's what about uh, what about like uh, what's that movie with Kristen Stewart that she did where she was underwater? Underwater, I love. It's called, I thought, it's called Underwater. There you go. Yes, I, I mean, I, I I thought that was just fucking rad. Looks beautiful, yeah. scary. Yeah. Like you know, the fact it's Cthulhu adjacent, uh, Lovecrafty. Right. I mean, fucking rad. Yeah, Underwater oh, was yeah. like a, was like a space horror movie, but underwater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. fucking awesome. It's great. It was great. Fucking, Underrated. Yeah. Uh, all yeah, right, was. last question, or Brett, I'll let you ask the last question. You can pick the last one since I just went. Go for it. And then we're going to. Which good. one? There's like three questions here you didn't ask. Ask all three. You can. All right. Go ahead. Uh, all right. Just, so we already talked about him playing video games. So I don't want to ask about him playing video games. We already asked him. Okay. You know, That's which, what I was saying. Which... There's only one question left. 
Oh. Uh, How does being an actor help you when you're, you know, directing and vice versa? You can speak an actor's language. Um, you're not just coming in fully with the technical shit, although I do that too. But you can you, there there is just an actor speak. You know just enough when to leave them alone to let them do their thing. You, it's it's coming in with more of a jazz musician's kind of perspective than like a professor's uh, perspective. If that makes sense, it's like I'm I'm not gonna kind of guide you and instruct you. I'm gonna play with you. Let's find it together. You got to come in holistically. I think that's the best kind of way of articulating it. Yeah, that's a great beautiful. Answer. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, Mr. Josh Rubin, we really appreciate you coming on the show. Where can people find you? Where do you want them to follow you or get involved? How is the best way to 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 follow you, what you're doing and how to keep up to date with that? Sure. I'm pretty much on all the socials, uh, just at Josh Rubin, um, R-U-B-E-N. But uh, I have a website, joshesmindhouse.com. It's got pictures and merch and news and all that all that stuff, too, if you want to get a little more in depth. But uh, that's that's it. That's 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 all she wrote. Excellent. All right. One make more sure round of applause can... for Josh Rubin. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to say Woo! make sure you watch Blood Relatives and A Wounded Fawn, both of them on Shudder. So. Yeah. That's right. Get a Shutter subscription. Those guys are going through some crazy yeah. tumult. Get uh, get Shutter. Do yeah. the free trial. Do the real thing. It's a few bucks a month. It's totally worth it. The curation is out of control. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, Josh, thank you so much, man. Thank you both so much. Great uh, interview. Great talking to you. Thanks, man. Thanks. Please remember to like, comment, and subscribe to Haptic Intel. Did you do it? Subscribe right now.